Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Remillard. And I'm Carlos Amasco. We'll catch a tune, huh? I caught me, you caught me dancing to myself. I was wondering what you were doing, and I'm like... I just got into it. Wow. <laughs> well, are you done now? How are you, you doing? Are you all right? You know why I'm excited? Tell me. The, uh, the Pointer Sisters are coming to, to our show today. Like the... Well, like Anita Pointer's going to be here. And like of the Pointer Sisters? Yes, and oh. the Pointer brother. There's a brother? Not many people know that there's a brother, Fritz, yeah. I'm excited. A brother? I'm excited a to talk to brother? them and have a little fun. All right, that'll be fun. Yes. We have a, we have a really fun show. Yeah, so, yes, we do. Um, but oh, I want to start with this because um, this is a true story. I was walking in the mall, and I was looking around, and I'm like, "What in the heck is this vast wasteland?" <laughs> like all those empty stores. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? That's what I'm talking about. There Every other like, store has paper on the window. You or know, like, like some, some sort of weird, weird shop yeah. that you're like, that's not a chain I recognize. Yeah. So if you have gone to a mall recently, you're not wrong. It's mm -mm. actually happening. Yeah. Things are closing left and right. Yeah, it's crazy. I know in 2020, Macy's uh, announced that it's closing almost 30 of its stores and one Bloomingdale's. And Pier 1 also announced it's closing almost half of its stores. Bed Bath & Beyond is closing 40 stores. So far, more than 1,200 retail stores will be closing this year. So I, I was reading. That's a lot. Oh, yeah, Bed Bath & Beyond. And I mean, and look, at here's the thing is that these aren't just like, so of course it malls, right? Like yeah. traditional malls are turning into, I call it the mall apocalypse. So the mall <laughs> apocalypse is happening yeah. in malls, but then like, you know, places like Pier 1 and, you know, sometimes they're in the mall, but sometimes they're freestanding so, yeah, stores. Right. They're but Bed Bath & Beyond, usually a freestanding store, and it's usually this huge thing. You know what I read about Bed Bath & Beyond? I read that they might be getting rid of the coupon. The coupon that should be on your phone instead of the one that's mailed to you, and you have it on your phone, you try to use it and can't, doesn't work. <laughs> Don't hate on the coupon. I love the coupon. The coupon's amazing. But they're really overpriced, so the coupon is just kind of like. They're not overpriced. Are you crazy? Some of the stuff is really expensive in there. Let me tell you something. That coupon. When I read that, because they got a new like CEO the to try The coupon is the best thing ever. So he. He, he addressed the coupon because people are like, well, now that you started over and like you're shutting down all these stores, like are you yeah, getting rid of the do, coupon? Yeah. What are you doing? And what he said was he is, he says the, he knows the coupon is part of the DNA of the company. <laughs> like everybody yeah. knows the coupon. Right, right. And he said, but we need to find a way to make it relevant in this day and age. AKA they're getting rid of the coupon. Yeah, well just put it on the app. Just put it, make an app. Or Fine. put it on your phone so you can get the coupon. I still you want mess the coupon. With, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in the small apocalypse, so not only are we seeing like 1,200 stores this yeah, year, but yeah. last year, like 9,000 stores closed down. You probably it was yeah. The apocalypse was last year. I mean, it really was yeah. Terrible. I mean, you remember like Payless, long mm -hmm. gone. Jimbery, Charlotte Russe, Forever 21. The Forever 21s. Look at I'm a mall person. I grew up here and I'm like a mall girl. And when I went to to the mall yeah. over in Orange County. Forever 21 gone. I'm upset that Victoria's Secrets are closing down. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> you walk around there and go, right? I feel uncomfortable in here. <laughs> right? So even big retailers like Nordstrom and Kohl's have quietly closed stores um, last year as well. And why? Because online retail has taken over. Amazon is ruling the world. I yeah. mean, this is, yeah. I mean, everybody's buying. You look at this. This I is am. a mall. Empty malls. Yeah. So, That's Orange Coast. That, that looks like South Coast Plaza, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, right? Anyway, online sales make up about 15% uh, of retail sales today, but they are expected to make up 25% by 2026. Actually, I think that number's low. I think it's low, I, too. I think it's way low. That, that was, yeah, that was according I mean, to that some would, marketing. That would close about 75,000 brick-and-mortar retail stores across the country. 
Yeah. So um, they, they they've said that there could be hope for the mall. So I like look. I like going to a mall. I know that makes me old, and I know I'm no, gonna like people are old. like okay boomer. Like you know they yeah. say that to me now because I'm of that age. Um, but it's good to touch and feel like the clothing and, and the thing. Try it on. On yeah. you know like there. Yeah. And and I I know I've said this to you in the past that like I need a little happiness in my life. You know what I'm saying? And like nothing makes I need me a lot of happiness. In nothing my life. makes me happier than going somewhere and walking out with, with like nine thousand bags. Oh, you're one like, of those. Yes, like it makes me. And don't at me and don't like send me to your psychologist. Like I know it's a probably an issue. However, I get a lot okay. of like happiness from retail therapy. What do you think I do? Well, you do. I need a sweater. I go in, I buy a sweater, and I leave. And you run out. I don't, I don't You're meander like the stores. My father used to yeah, do I that. Yeah, just too. go in, go to J.C. Penney, get my sweater, and get out. Jay, they're closing J.C. Penney's too. Mar I go to Marshalls. Marshalls. Marshalls so, is a bargain. Oh, okay, so so you, it's funny you bring up Marshalls. So they were saying like some of the places that are staying very relevant are places like Factory Marshalls. Factory stores, Marshalls. Marshalls, yeah. like those dollar stores, those kinds of places. But they said there is um, hope for malls the way we know it. Okay. And the hope is, believe it or not, Gen Z. So the generation after millennials, the people that were born in 1996 to 2010, those people, those are young kids, yeah. they like to physically go into a mall. They like to physically go where, into a place. But, but I remember when, when, when you were a teenager, that was a thing to do was to hang out at the mall. That's what I did. Not even to shop, just to hang out. Of course. So where are kids movies. hanging out now? They're not hanging out they're there. They're not. I think they're hanging out on their, on their phones. social media. Oh, yeah, phones. that's terrible. Weird, right? That's horrible. There's like no social. No, no, you got to hang out in person. I think count. so too. It doesn't count to hang out on your phone. I agree. Yeah. So I guess this Gen Z likes the idea of like physical stores and having that kind of real connection as opposed to the millennials and that middle yeah. generation that wants to be on the phone and order from Amazon and order online and not have to physically go anywhere. Well, malls are converting like it to giant food courts like there's they'll put sure. 15 restaurants in a mall sure. or yeah. like I've seen office space and office some, like they put office yeah. spaces yeah. And, and our friend dr. Shaw has his his next health center inside a mall at Century City well, so see, but see that's and I a think whole different those take types on of malls. those types of malls though it's a service yeah and those types of malls are doing fine like those outdoor ones that are real specialty and yeah, boutique very cool ones, yeah. so like the one at Fashion Valley in San Diego, San Diego. and yeah. Century yeah. City is still doing fine but it's like the traditional yeah. ones you yeah. know which is a shame because I want to go shopping. Yeah. Like every day. I know it's a problem. I don't want to hear about it. Don't yeah. tell me. Don't judge me. Sometimes I go to Tijuana. Oh, it's a whole different story. It's, it's a <laughs> different story for a different day. However. <laughs> Big show today. You're going to yes. love it today. It's going to be right. fun. We'll be right back. Coming up, he's been honored by the NFL and is hoping to use his years in medicine to help people live their healthiest lives. Meet Dr. William Seeds. He's an orthopedic surgeon who's been honored by the NFL Hall of Fame for his work with the Institute for Hall of Fame Life. The issue he attacked was supplements and their efficacy among elite athletes. Uh, let's say good morning to Dr. William Seeds. Nice to have you here, doctor. Great to be here. So the frustration forced you to do what? <laughs> well, you know, you, you kind of, you reach a point where you're, you're tired of hearing people say, hey doc, where did my golden years go? You know, I've, I've done this, I've worked this hard, I've, 
I'm ready, but yet I'm dealing with bad knees, bad shoulders, brain fog. I mean, all of these things where you start, it starts to accumulate and you say, there gotta be other answers. <laughs> there's, there's gotta be better ways to be prepared. And, and that, that's kind of the background of what I've been doing behind the scenes for probably over 30 years. So I'm a perfect candidate for what you're talking about. Because I'm of that age now where I'm going on Google and saying, what can I take to make me feel better, sure. okay? So I go through all this stuff, yeah. and I can't believe 90% of the stuff they're claiming that it can do for me. Correct. And so uh, I look to somebody like you, an expert, who, who has, uh, you, you, know, you worked for the NFL, you've done Major League Baseball, you did NBA, so you have some substance behind you that says, this is real, because I researched it. Tell me about that. Sure. I, I, well, I, I think it's, it comes down to there are really some easy, easy things that you could do and would, could change your life tomorrow. It, one would be to find a good collagen hydrosylate supplement. The literature has, you know, the, the stuff we talk about is evidence-based science, mm -hmm. things that, have, that are actually, that have been double randomized studies, things that have really right. made changes, not just in rats or animals, <laughs> but, but humans. Yeah. And just taking a collagen hydrosylate supplement can change the collagen in your skin, the elasticity, the density. I mean, it can give people, especially women notice this, these changes even more than men, but yeah. can make great changes in skin. It can, it works against osteoporosis. It, it nurtures cartilage. I can't tell you the amount of people that I've put on just a collagen hydrosylate supplement that had potentially been scheduled for surgery, and I see them two weeks later and they say, Doc, I don't know, I don't think I need this. Really? Absolutely. I saw you two weeks too late because I just had knee surgery. So the, the, the truth is that we don't believe what we see, and, and so you, you talk about these studies and you've proven it with who? With athletes, elite athletes? Uh, so we've done it through, just not athletes, we've done it through, I, I mean, I think, I think you're. I think the athletes are a little easier to work with because they're they're regimented, uh, their diets are good. They're you know they they do everything almost right. Yeah. 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 It's that weekend warrior. It's the mother of three that's running all over the world to serve to keep the family alive. Yeah, right. It's those people that don't have the cleanest diets that have the stressors of life, that even make it more interesting. Uh, when you work with these people and you see those changes because it's it doesn't matter where you know what what the background is it's the same the responses are the same and they're real yeah you know and and that's i think i think that's the that's the impetus behind all of this is being focused on something that people can really latch onto and make differences uh, that are non-toxic you know, non-addictive, things that are not going to cause problems down the road that have long-term implications, because mm -hmm. that's what everybody's looking for. And you've written a book uh, called? Uh, Peptide Protocols. What, is, what are we going to learn in that book? Well, that's, uh, I, that's a passion. I'm, uh, I'm the founder and chairman of the International Peptide Society, and I've worked over the last few years educating physicians all over the world on the use of peptides, which are signaling agents that we naturally have in our body, and how you can use the body to heal itself. And this is a new revolutionary approach to medicine that is not focused on sick care, it's focused on the beginning of really fixing things. And 
I, I, I'm just so excited to be able to, you know, to get something like this out to not just the healthcare providers, but to everyone who has an interest in improving their health. So I went right to drsees.com and started looking at all the things that you have there. There's a lot of things to look for. So how, how best to kind of approach what might be best for you? Should you talk to your doctor first? Or should, is there some sort of analysis that you should do personally? Uh, I think, you know, I, I think that every physician or healthcare provider that you run into, the first thing they're going to say is healthy diet mm -hmm. and exercise. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I right? get that all the time. It, it, but how many people do it? <laughs> I certainly don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask my wife. <laughs> but, but that's the, you know, everybody wants that, they want that magic pill that mimics exercise. Okay, so it mimics you're diet. right, you're right. You can't do it. Okay. So obviously the- Thanks for the reality check. <laughs> You know, there is no, everybody's looking for that fountain of youth too. Yeah, it yeah, really isn't there. It, but there are so many things that we can do to, you know, to prolong this process as we age and to do mm -hmm. it gracefully and to do it well or repair from injury or working on gut issues, brain issues. I mean, we've got the capability now to work with your physician, to work with the or healthcare provider who you work with that has the knowledge of utilizing some of these type of aspects of the you know the evidence-based type of supplements that that do make a difference and and you're right there is I, I, I the the process out there is overwhelming when you go to look yeah, at what's is. available yeah. and I, I take that approach of hey listen if if I'm if I'm backing something up it's got to have the it's got to have the the evidence, it's got to also do the job. And uh, I think that's where this is, where we're going down the road in trying to really educate people what is available and what they have for their opportunities to improve their life and make changes. Well, Dr. Seeds, we appreciate you being here so much. Uh, DrSeeds.com is the, is the website. The book uh, is something that I'm going to take a look at and see what's in there. I'm going yeah. to send you a copy. Okay, great. And, uh, <laughs> and hopefully I'll learn the two basic principles, diet and exercise. <laughs> Start there. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Dr. C, thank you so much. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. And I'll report in six months and see how I'm doing. All right? All right. We'll keep in touch. All right. Thank thanks. you. Next, she is Miss World California, but also a physicist and actor. Manju Bangalore is here. And later, Anita Pointer of the Pointer Sisters is here with her brother Fritz. She is a physicist, actor, and founder of Operation Period, and currently holds the title of Miss World California. Meet Manju Bangalore. She's here now and wearing her crown and her sash. Congratulations. <laughs> nice you. to have you here. Thank you. Tell I'm me so about the, the crown and the sash. What does that mean to you, actually? Oh, my gosh. It means the world to me. Um, Why? Because I've gotten to do so many cool things with this platform. I've gotten to expand my advocacy work with Operation Period, um, traveling across the, the state. Um, I'm, I have plans to go to the Bay Area soon, and I've gotten to do appearances here in LA. So, um, getting to meet little kids and see their face light up, letting them get the, get to wear the crown, it just means the world to me. It's, it seems kind of that opposites at opposite ends of the world, what you're talking about, and then you writing you know scientific formulas on a chalkboard. <laughs> Tell me how that connected. 
Yeah, so actually a lot of people are kind of confused when I say I'm a scientist and then I also do pageants. Yeah. They seem um, dialectical, like they don't seem <laughs> like they go together. Right. Uh, but for me, they always have. Pageants have given me so many skills that transfer over to being a scientist. I'm able to speak in public to large amounts of people. I'm able to do so many other things because of this platform. So. Um, actually, there's been a lot more scientists involved in pageants as well. There was a nuclear chemist, I believe, Cara McCulloch, who mm -hmm. won Miss USA. So we've been seeing more and more people get involved. There's human rights lawyers, there's scientists, everyone in pageants. Well, you would be an inspiration for a young person to say, hey, you know, I can do that. I can, you know, I can work in science. I can, you, you got internships at NASA. Mm -hmm. How many did you get? Um, I did five. Five? Yeah. <laughs> who does five internships? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good experience. I would go back if I could. Um, but. Yeah, I think it's just so important to show little girls that you can wear heels, you can wear red lipstick, and you can also be really good at physics oh, that's, and math. That's an amazing message, and you've done it successfully. And now, is it your aim to be an astronaut? Is that is that why you decided to go that way? Yeah, I definitely want to be an astronaut. That's been my goal since I was four years old. Um, just the idea, I think space is such a beautiful thing because no matter your political affiliation, no matter your background, mm -hmm. no matter who you are, you can look up at the stars and wonder what's out there, right? So for me, I've just had that fascination for space since I was so young. And um, now I want to go there. Um, I worked at the astronaut office for nine months-ish, and I got to work on the cockpit of the Orion spacecraft, which is going back to the moon and eventually to Mars. Wow. That's impressive. So, yeah. so are you still in, in, at university? I finished my undergraduate. Uh, I got my physics degree in 2018, and now I'm starting at USC actually today. Oh, um, really? For my wow. master's in aerospace engineering. <laughs> ah, okay. So, a ma master's in aerospace engineering. Yeah. So, you're really targeting that, that space thing, I mean, with yeah. your education and your background. Yeah, I'm really interested in propulsion. I'm trying to get to Mars. We keep saying we're going to Mars, but we're not quite sure how. Mm -hmm. So, um, for me, uh, I'm trying to figure out, well, we're trying to figure out how we can get to Mars as efficiently and safely as possible. It's interesting the way that you're the way I see your life is like these opposites that are really interesting then uh, you've combined them beautifully and and so you're looking out to space and you're saying what are the possibilities what is my life going to be and you're involved with Operation Period which, mm -hmm. is, which is really a grassroots organization yeah. that's helping people tell me about that. Yeah so I started Operation Period in 2015 February 8th will be the five-year mark for us, uh, and basically it's a menstrual health organization that's all youth-led, we're all young people leading this organization that are volunteers, and we provide advocacy, education, and services to people in need. And basically the issue is that girls and people who bleed across the country are not finishing school because they don't have access to menstrual products. So in India, 20% of girls don't finish school because they don't have oh access gosh. to menstrual products or the facilities that they need. So it's a huge issue, and we're not talking about it because, unfortunately, periods are too taboo to talk about. The, the, absolutely, it's taboo to talk yeah. about it. But it must be even more taboo in India. Yeah, it's, it's definitely taboo in um, you know, some rural areas. They don't even want to use tampons because of the taboo around that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of cultural stigma that we're trying to battle. And so part of our strategy is cultural and working with um, influencers, with celebrities, with filmmakers to try to break the stigma in different ways rather than just provide menstrual products. How old are you, 50? <laughs> I mean, 22. No, no, the, no, the truth is that, that this this is a very adult, very grown-up uh, message that you're sending out, and you're right, people need to know about it, but the way that you have mixed science with, with your artistry and what you're doing with your, your, your science and your personal life is remarkable. Congratulations. Thank it's, you so You're a very impressive young lady, and so tell me, what is your ultimate goal here? Your ultimate goal in life is? Oh my gosh, 
to, if I can change one person's life for the better, then I am, I will feel like I did something. I think we all get to contribute a little piece, a little impact. And I'm trying to do that right now with my activism, with my advocacy, with this platform. So if there's one little girl that feels like she can be the next astronaut, there's one little brown girl or black girl or white girl that feels like that they can, that they can reach for the stars and accomplish it, then I feel like I've done my job. I'm absolutely astonished. You're amazing. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Manji. What a pleasure, and I wish you continued success. Thank you. Thank Everyone you should be me. just like you. <laughs> we'll be right back. Still ahead, there's a new method to catching criminals that the LAPD is beginning to use. We talked to the creator of the Bolo Wrap, and then from vintage to newer watches. The creator of Malibu Watches is here telling us how to find the hidden treasure in your closet. Welcome back to Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Rimmelar. And I'm Carlos Amesqua. De-escalation and excessive force are terms we hear a lot about when we talk about law enforcement. But there's a new tool that could de-escalate police confrontations while also reducing the chance uh, to hurt a suspect. It's called the Bola Wrap. You might have heard about it. You might have seen it. And starting in February, more than 500 officers with the Los Angeles Police Department will be giving it a 90-day trial. Yeah, the LAPD is among 15 law enforcement agencies here in California and more than 100 agencies uh, in the U.S. testing out this wrap. Take a look at how it works. It looks like something that Batman uses, honestly. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> when um, confronted by a suspect, an officer deploys this handheld device. It sounds like a gunshot, but it's actually shooting out this Kevlar tether, which wraps around a person's torso and legs and keeps them from running and it can work up to about 25 feet away. So you, if your distance is about 25 feet. Yeah, you can see how it's really interesting. The bowler wrap was created by Tom Smith. He says, it's not surprising this bowler wrap is being compared to a superhero tool, like you just said, <laughs> uh, since he was actually inspired by Hollywood. A lot of times you look at what Hollywood's doing, they're kind of a forecast of what's gonna come in the future. And you mentioned Batman and Spider-Man, those are tools that these guys use to end those confrontations without hurting people. And so this is our version of that tool. So the goal with Bull Wrap is to defuse a threat without hurting, as we said, um, the suspect, the person getting wrapped up, or without causing any kind of long-term negative side effects, something that has been a criticism in the past of other things that police have used, like their baton or a taser. Yeah, well... Uh, Tom, actually, this guy that we were talking to actually found a taser years ago with his brother. And if you've ever seen a taser used like this, you know it works by immobilizing a person with uh, some pretty significant degree of pain. Uh, and that's the same with pepper spray or tear gas. There's no way you can get around the pain part of that. Yeah, you haven't you been tased before? As a I, I was part of tased a story? once for a story, and I, I was wearing a vest, and so the vest got most of the electrical charge. Mm -hmm. uh, that was to not hurt me. Right. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> it's pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful. It knocks you down, well, and, I, and it does hurt. Of course it yeah, does. Yeah. I mean, it, it of course de-escalates situations, but at the same time, there is some yeah. there are some negative side effects to the taser. So. That's why this bowler wrap is an interesting new step in kind of 
the ability to wrap up a suspect without the pain. Yeah. So the bolo wrap is already, though, as you would imagine, facing some criticism from civil rights groups. They are concerned that this is just another tool that police can use and hurt potential yeah. suspects. Well, this organization that's called uh, Human Rights Watch said on its website, quote, this new weapon raises serious concerns in the context of over-policing in the United States. There's a great danger that police will use it more frequently than necessary, especially on people with mental health conditions and given historic police discrimination, black and brown people. So when we talked with Tom, um, we brought this up. You know, the fact that there is yeah. criticism, obviously, of this, just like any other police tool. Like all the things that they use, Right, yeah. and he said, you know, that the idea behind it, well, one was to not have anything that inflicts actual pain, like a taser mm -hmm. or a baton. But two, he said, especially for the people that have um, mental illness, he said it's really, it, it would be a good alternative to try and subdue them, to try and get them right. under control. Because sometimes, as you know, when there's a mental illness and and we used to cover stories like this all oh, yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh, um, when a, a suspect is out and, you know, flailing around a weapon and you can't get them under control, this might be a really um, good They can option. hurt themselves They can uh, just as well as they can hurt the hurt. police officers who are confronting the situation. So they're trying just to minimize that thing. But like anything else, it has to be used correctly. This company was really developed around being used originally on mentally ill. My mom has Alzheimer's, so I've seen the effects personally of these people not, not understanding simple commands. And sometimes if they're posing a threat to themselves or others, you're gonna have to take them into custody. This tool was designed to be able to do that without pain compliance. And I think if we can work with those groups and they understand the concerns, uh, then I think we're gonna be able to move forward together and develop even more products in the future that don't use pain compliance or again, reduce the force required. Hmm. So Tom, you said you heard him say he mentioned the mentally ill and about 25 percent of um deadly police involved shootings happen with somebody who has some sort of mental health issue the bull of rap he says will hopefully bring that percentage of that death toll down and as far as pain uh, we even asked tom if he'd use the rap on his mother if necessary and he said he'd absolutely prefer the rap over other means uh to subdue a person and and i think that you know, the police departments all across the country are always looking for new ways to engage or disengage, de-escalate, de all right. of this stuff, because they're confronted with situations that every situation is different, but they all have one thing in common, that is they have to minimize the threat to the public. Mm -hmm. Their job is to protect us, right? not necessarily protect the perpetrator who's perpetrating whatever disturbance that is, mm -hmm. and, what, and they have to assess whether the person's mentally ill, just a downright bad person who's a criminal who may hurt people around him right. or the police. So they have to make all these instant decisions, right. and so they've given they've been given all these tools, and they have to be trained to, to use them. Right, and and I mean, Human Rights Watch makes a good point that you know sometimes police officers are human beings too, and yeah. sometimes they get scared in that situation, just like we would get scared, and sometimes things happen, and that's why we have a lot of these incidents that occur, and people end up losing their lives. So hopefully, with a, a type of technology that has a non-lethal um, end result. It might help yeah. reduce at least those numbers that we keep seeing. But the question is, I mean, do they pull the taser out? Do they pull their pistol out? Uh, their service revolver, as they call it, or do they pull out the bowl? I mean, well, that's there's a lot of choices for these guys. Right. I mean, and sometimes 
the problem is too many choices. What I'm like, which do? one do I pull out? Yeah, I mean, exactly. but that's why Tom says that these um, these officers are are trained in this. And he says, in fact, that the training on the bullet wrap is a lot less than they need for any of the other things, yeah. including the taser, which he also right. invented. Um, and the bullet wrap is already in use in some, several um, police stations and sheriff's offices throughout the state of California and throughout the country. And Tom says it appears to be what it's meant to do. So far, the responses have been phenomenal from the departments that are using it. We've had it used in Fresno and in Fort Worth uh, in the field. And, and the officers were really excited because, again, it allows them to affect their job and not cause an injury to a suspect. Yeah, the truth is they don't want to hurt the suspect. Of course not. They really don't. They really are inter interested in de-escalating. Unless there's an immediate threat to them and they can sense it, right. then they pull out their service revolver. So this is just interesting to see. Some other benefits, uh, cost and training time, as you said. Tom says an officer can learn to use his bullet wrap in about 90 minutes. As for financial, uh, the actual unit and training is between a thousand bucks and twelve hundred bucks, so it's not expensive. Mm -hmm. Not compared to everything else, yeah. you know, and the training time and time and effort that it takes to do that. So the LAPT is testing this out in the next ninety days in all precincts. Tom hopes the feedback from the department, in as a whole, um, will help shape the next generation of the wrap and will help perhaps make this one of these types of weapons that can be used throughout the country. It's a genius. A, you watch this thing wrap itself around your body like that, and it, it, so, it does stun for a second. Well, I asked him, I, when I was talking with him, you remember, I asked him about how does it hook on to you, mm -hmm. and he did say there are little, like, he said it's like a little sure. tiny fish hook at the you end of that. that. Yeah. At the end of the little, you know, the little ball at the end, there's like a little fish hook that just like, he says, but it, it, it kind of, it, it mostly goes on your clothes. It won't puncture the skin unless you're wearing shorts oh, yeah. or whatever at the time. Well, we've seen, I mean, we've seen enough car chases to see people who run. Uh, a bowler wrap like that would really, just to stop them from running, stop them from moving Yeah, completely. you can't yeah. go. And, and it's less painful and causes less long-term injury, at least at this point, before yeah. we have more testing than a taser would than obviously a, a, a bullet, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Okay, so very interesting. Know that it'll be on the street and that LAPD in this area and other places, I know they have, they're using them, testing them in Houston as well. Mm -hmm. So um, there will be a lot of um, officers that'll have them on their person. So it might be a thing. So you when might you're see the it. next car chase, you may see actually police deploy that. It'll be interesting to see just kind of, kind of reaction. Obviously, when they're running, it's a much different target. It's a much right. different situation. Right. They have to decide how to use it and right. when to use it. All right, we'll be right back. Still ahead, your old watch may be worth more money than you think. Henry Salamati is here to tell you how easy it is to find the value of your watch. Then, Anita Pointer has a new book all about her life as a Pointer sister. Anita and her brother Fritz are here. This segment of Carlos and Lisa is brought to you by Malibu Watches. Find them at MalibuWatches.com. Henry Salamati is a young man who knows watches and perhaps the value of the watch you've likely buried in your closet. He started a company called Malibu Watches and put his passion of watches into this business. And he is here. Hi, Henry. How are Hi, you? Thank you for having me. Okay, so lots of kids grow up and they love watches, lots of young men as they grow older, you know, a watch is a status symbol, but you were able to turn that into a business. Exactly, yeah. So I can give you some context to my obsession. <laughs> yeah. um, so I started this off when I was 13 years old. 
Wow. So I inherited my grandfather's watch. Uh -huh. Beyond the beautiful sentimental value of owning it, I fell in love with uh, winding it every morning and the mechanics and the design. So I started dragging my parents to estate sales every Saturday morning. <laughs> wow. And so they'd work a long week, and then I'd be like, hey, guys, I hope you're ready, because we're going shopping. <laughs> and I'd slowly built up my collection and became more and more obsessed with the design and the history behind it. So it led to me being here now, where I'm turning that obsession into a business. But wait, I mean, you studied real estate at USC. <laughs> yeah. How does that translate? I mean, tell me what, the, what you learned in school that translated to what you're doing with the watches. Well, I learned how to see opportunities and when you should, when you should go after them, right? And while I enjoyed real estate and thought it was interesting, all I could think about was watches. When I had a conversation with a real estate person, wow. I was still talking about watches. Wow. So. It's a, but see, here's the thing about watches, I think, especially for men who wear the, it's like a, not only is it a status thing, but it's also a conversation piece. There's uh -huh. a lot of guys that go out on the golf course or they go out in business meetings and they're like, hey, dude, what's that watch, right? right? Isn't that how uh, it works? It's a conversation right. piece. Yes. I mean, I would say with vintage watches, there's two things that drive people to them. There's the design and the history. People often forget that these watches were purpose-built, so they were built for fighter pilots and race car drivers, and it's, and it's really fun to find the individual owners behind each watch. Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, the cool thing about a watch was how thin can you get a watch? Mm -hmm. So because it went from these big, thick military watches to these very thin, elegant, uh, kind of Rat Pack 60s watches. Yeah. And then, of course, now these watches are humongous, right. Right? right? So somewhere in between was the famous Daytona watch, right, that, right. that, that Paul Newman made famous. So, I mean, so someti sometimes these watches are driven by celebrity, sometimes they're driven by what? Well, it's a window into different decades. Like watches from the 1920s, they're Art Deco, they look like Gatsby wore them. Yeah. Right. Watches from the 70s are crazy designs in every color you can right. imagine, right? So people love that attachment to different periods of time. And then when you can get someone like Paul Newman attached to a watch, it drives the value like crazy. Right. So tell me how your business works. So you have a big, beautiful website with all of these fantastic watches. So you sell watches, you broker what? Like what is, how does your business work? Sure, so Malibu Watches, we buy watches and we take watches on consignment. So it really depends on what watch you have. But we, we recommend you just bring us a watch in the most original condition. That is what's really important. Because the value is driven by, we want the dirt, we want the cracks, we want it all. <laughs> just don't change it. And we can guide you through the process with transparency and ease. So I think the biggest thing, because I'm famous for buying, uh, uh, should I say, replica watches? <laughs> The fake, yeah, the he goes offs. on the old eBay and like <laughs> okay. buys these knockoff watches. Okay. So I don't it's, understand why. You can buy them from twenty bucks to five hundred to two two thousand bucks, depending on the fake ones. The fake ones, depending on whether or not they're they're you know they're knocking off a really classic watch. I don't spend that much money. Honestly. <laughs> if like a hundred bucks is my limit. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me about the dangers of buying watches online and why they should trust you. Sure. Yeah. So uh, the other side of my business is developing a global collector base. And the reason these collectors keep coming back to me is because of my expertise in identifying when these watches aren't altered or fake. Because that is a really big danger in this business. Yeah. And right. it's another reason why I like to buy watches that have cracks and dirt and everything, because I can tell that they're real. <laughs> yeah. right. And I can see what age has done to them versus buying something online when you really never know who's been inside. Um, we mentioned in the, in the beginning of this segment, we mentioned um, you might have a watch hiding in your closet that you don't know is worth money. Have you ever come across somebody who's like, I have this old watch of my grandpa's and I don't know what it is, and you're like, holy crap, this is like the holy grail of watches. Have you ever come across something like that? Many times. Really? Seriously, yeah, and it's, it's sad because you see people selling these watches that, are, that they think are worth nothing for thousands of dollars. But if, a fun example is recently on um, Antiques Roadshow, someone brought in a Rolex Daytona unworn in wow. original box everything wow. and he didn't know he thought it was oh it's nice 
and it was worth five to seven hundred thousand dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> so Jeez! I really recommend that people don't understand how much value can be in their closet. So, right. it, so what do they need to do? So you need to reach out to me <laughs> by either calling me, texting me photos, um, going to my website. The website is? The website is MalibuWatches.com. Okay. Or you can DM us on Instagram, which is also Malibu Watches. It's and an ele elegant uh, uh, website. It's really well done. So next time, next time we talk to you, we're going to talk about the hidden gems that you yeah. might have in your closet and how to identify those things. Yeah, yeah. All right? Thank Henry, you. thanks for coming in. Thank you right, so Henry. much. Pointer sister Anita Pointer is joining us next with her brother Fritz. Feeling, I'm feeling excited. You know what? I'm so excited. Oh. And I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control and I think I like it. <laughs> That's a lyric everyone knows, the group everyone loves, and I'm talking about the Pointer Sisters, but what you may not know about them is the subject of this new book called Fairy Tale. And here to talk about it is Anita Pointer and her historian brother Fritz. Nice to have you here. Thank you, Carlos. Well, thank I tried you. to sing it. I'm sorry. You know, oh, you I just did a can't. Great hide job. It. That was good. I think I like it. <laughs> I think we liked it. You know, you guys had such memorable tunes. We were all singing, and you know what it was? It made us happy. Yeah, uh -huh. that's what we intended to do. Yeah. We, you know, music that would make people happy, make you forget your problems, get a night out to just relax and enjoy and be happy and. Have peace. Mm -hmm. Hard to believe it all started off as a jazz idea, right? Well, it kind of. We were writing songs, me and Bonnie and June, and then when we got the deal, we couldn't really get a deal with the songs we had, which ended up later on our albums, but we had to go a jazz route, and David Rubinson, our producer, turned us on to some incredible jazz work and uh, got us into a jazz production company, Blue Thumb. Mm -hmm. what, now, one of the first things that I, okay, first things first. We learn a few things in this book, this fairy tale book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the things I just learned is you have brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Fritz. Yes. Yes. So yes. Brother yes. Fritz. you're the historian. You're the one that decided to compile this and the whole thing yeah. into a story. Yes. Tell me about tell me something that we just don't know about the Pointer Sisters or the Pointer family. Oh well I think uh, I think uh, Anita and I I share a passion for world peace. I think that's probably one of our primary, uh, you know, objectives where we intersect. Mm -hmm. My training, my education, and Anita's passion. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, uh, you know, I was surprised, for example, when I visited Anita, that sometimes you never hear music. And I asked her about that one time, why don't I hear any music in your house? She <laughs> says, because when I hear certain notes, they make me cry. Oh. Certain combinations of notes. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's so you don't like things in the seldom. minor chord, huh? <laughs> No minor chord. No minor chord songs in no his house. No, no, just major chord. Maybe, maybe a major seventh. Huh? That's just that's what I'm talking about. Music huh? is so God, it's oh, so moving it's, for me. Yeah, I, I have to, I have to be in a time when I can really listen and enjoy because mm -hmm. it just I get so emotional yeah. over it. I really yeah. do. Hard to believe it's been 30 years that you were on We Are the World. I'm right? telling you, 35 years. Can you Th believe it? Is it 35? Yes. Holy like Bonnie cow. said, I'm only 35. We're just <laughs> children then. Yes, I know. Unbelievable. That was an incredible night. Oh my yes, God! In the room yes. with all those fabulous, incredible, yeah. amazing people. Yes, yes, And yes. to have them do such great good, you know, for the yeah. world. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. You yes. just gave me a little window there into yeah. your life, yeah. and that is, 
the thing that music brings to people is unification yeah. because it's an international language. You don't right. have to speak. You feel it. Exactly. So right. in a sense, you, you yes. are creating world peace with the joy that you deliver with your music, yes. right? That's so yes. true. Yes. And so I can, true. you know, the times we went, the times we've traveled around the world and go to countries that don't speak the language, but they love our songs and they're running mm. to the stage and they're, you know, I'm, I was so, so amazed to see that happen, but music does that. It breaks all those barriers. Mm -hmm, it touches mm -hmm. you inside, you know, it's not yeah. so much about even, sometimes it's not so much about what you're saying, but how, how you're saying it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. tell me about mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. sisters. How are they doing? What's new with them? They're doing great. Bonnie mm -hmm. is, me, me and Bonnie just wrote a new song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's still be, doing it. Yes, it's yeah. called Feels Like June, and it's a song about our, our sister June, who passed away mm -hmm. in 2006, and it's the most wonderful, heartfelt song, and you mm -hmm. all just got to listen to it. Well, mm -hmm. it'll be on YouTube and Spotify mm -hmm. and iTunes and all that very soon, so mm -hmm. look for it, because Feels Like June. Mm -hmm. Every so, month of the year feels like June. <laughs> <laughs> That's really beautiful. Yeah. Really Fritz, uh, mm -hmm. now, do you write any music? Are you musical? Did you, no, do you not at Did all. you feel left out when you were a kid? I'm not. <laughs> I sang in the he junior choir. Books. I write about singing in the junior choir. I sang in the Oakland yeah. All City Choir. He sure oh, wow. did. He's I was a, singer. A, I was a, a great pretty voice. good little singer, but I would never be able to maintain the kind of tenacity and, and, and uh, uh, stamina that my yeah. sisters have had doing this for 40 years. I, I, it, it still amazes me. <laughs> it yeah. I'm amazes still, it just amazes me. You yeah. can't have really the kind does. of success you had. You can't have the kind of life you had without your parents support tell me about right. their oh, love yes, and what that yes. meant to you oh, yes. oh god they were so supportive and so wonderful and mm -hmm, just encouraged mm -hmm. us when other people were saying you're not gonna do it you're not gonna <laughs> you can't do that you can't mm -hmm, do that mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it was wonderful to have our parents support and love and mm -hmm, they just lifted mm -hmm. us up in everything we oh, did yeah. oh, so yeah. they oh, yeah. did your yeah. parents move from arkansas to oakland yes they in did 1944 yeah. And that changed everything, changed huh? Yes, everything. that was part of the Great Migration, what they call the Great Black Migration, when mm -hmm. over six million African Americans left the South right. to the North, and that we were part of that that that, that movement. Mm -hmm. And our family went to first, uh, you know, L.A. for a bit, and then Oakland. So you're the yeah. you're the historian so of the family. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. How will history treat the Pointer Sisters? <laughs> I think that they will admire. I think they will admire and and recognize that the the the. the the sacrifices, the hard work that they did. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, there's been joy, there's been sorrow, but the ups and the downs, the, you know, just the pattern of life. You see, our, our father was born in 1901, so his life is almost coterminous with the century. Right. Mm -hmm. So everything in 1901 to now is, and so, yeah. Uh, it's been such a wonderful thing to have them, you know, be a part of our life and, and to uh, give us the kind of confidence because that's what mm -hmm. we got from the church. Yeah. It's confidence, yeah. you know, to sing and, 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 and create uh, enthusiasm in an audience, to get mm -hmm. audience participation and mm -hmm. audience. Yeah, sometimes without uh, musical instruments, a cappella, yeah. whatever it took. We, <laughs> exactly. we were, you know, so we had to sing, right. you know, to get or to, to demand audience uh, response. Mm -hmm. and audience, that's yeah. beautifully yeah. said. So, Anita, now you, you have a, a new uh, challenge that I'm going to challenge you with. Okay. Mm -hmm. Somehow the word coterminous has to become one of your songs. <laughs> <laughs> this is the story of the coterminous of their life. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. The book fairy tale, the Pointer Sisters right. family story is out uh, in February. <laughs> and Thank all you. of these pages are coterminous with the Pointer <laughs> Sisters right here.
Thank yeah, you so great. much for being here. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Carlos. Thank this you. And, so keep, and keep doing it. I can't wait to hear you sing Thank again. Thank you. Absolutely. And everybody, get to the Hollywood Museum. We have an exhibit there oh. that is fantastic. Oh, yeah. And you'll, you'll love coming up. Uh, <laughs> Black History Month is coming February, yes. and we plan to do some things there. So... Check it out. Available on Amazon. Amazon. Oh, that's right. The book is available, available on Amazon, Amazon, on PointerSisters.com, on AnitaPointer.com. Yeah. And, and there you go. That's it. It'll be released February 11th. All right. February. We'll be looking forward. But you forward. can pre-order on AnitaPointer.com. It's, a, it's right. a great read. You'll love it. Thanks so much for being here with <laughs> Thank us. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you so much. <laughs> Tomorrow on Carlos and Lisa, he stars in ABC's Bless This Mess. Ed Begley Jr. is here. We're checking back in with Kelly Wolf and Molly Bice Jackson. Here's today's Coaching Corner. Greetings from the cozy Coaching Corner in Park City, Utah. I'm Molly Bice Jackson. Kelly Wolf. So, Kelly, the new year is upon us. Mm -hmm. Tell me your thoughts about goals. Well, I will say to pretty much anybody that calls me, I am not a goal coach. Dun, dun, You're not dun. a goal digger? I'm a goal digger. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am not a goal coach because Goals to me are sometimes a recipe for disaster, and this is a massive trigger for a lot of people, which I completely understand and respect, especially at the beginning of the year, because we are being bombarded with goal-getting concepts. My sort of bent and twist on it is to set intentions instead of goals. Mm. Do you have a word for I, 2020? I have a word of gratitude. Yeah, 2020 is gonna be my year of gratitude so that when things feel like they're speeding up or things are chaotic, that, that I when I drop back into gratitude and love, I always calm down, mm, yes. always. I don't get twisted up in the nonsense anymore. I think in this moment, this is happening in real time, that my word, I want it to be perseverance. Mm. Because again, as an ADD person, I, often fall prey to the satisfaction mm. that comes from quitting because it can be satisfying Ooh, because so it's a it's a it's a resolution it's a or a it's over your resolve yeah you mm. you get satisfied you're like it's over the fight is over mm. but i want to persevere and get the satisfaction past that discomfort yes mm -hmm. persevering past the discomfort right because so i have right. too many great things happening with my book as well and my speaking and i don't want to quit just so mm. i can I learned this great thing. Uh, I was actually on an Oprah's, Oprah's podcast, and when they were saying when we pray for something, so pray for perseverance, or we pray for this thing, that you'll then be challenged by mm. it to see if you really want have it. it or you don't have it, versus turning the script around and saying something like, I am grateful for perseverance, as mm. if you already yes. have it, instead of I pray, I hope to get perseverance, right. then you won't be challenged by it. It's just already embedded in your Ooh, being. That. Isn't that good? I that. So I love that little shift around. Okay, Carlos and Lisa, we are curious. What is your word going to be for 2020? So my word, I think, is going to be positivity because don't look at me like that. You know, I'm like, 
you know, the beauty of the beauty of being angry, Lisa Remillard is that she's so skeptical about everything. Everything. Okay, so positivity would be a, a major change. That would be a significant <laughs> change for me. Yes, yes. I really work on it. Uh, I, you know, as I was listening you? to them, I was thinking, what would be my what would word would work with me? And all I kept thinking was tacos. But that's they're not, terrified. That's not what yes, they're looking. That's not no, what they're looking no, for. They don't want to look for tacos. food. Like an actual cerveza. No, no. Carlos. So the something. word is success. Ooh. Okay, 2020 is going to be success, and that's what I really want. Yeah, that's going to be your intention. Your that's intention, intention is, you're is success, and that put means forth all your not only success there. professionally, but personally. Yes, and, in you your know, relationships. Move forward, yeah. I like it. Yeah. What's your word? You guys let us know. That'll do it for us today. You can watch us anytime on Beyond.TV. That's B E O N D.TV, but what? we're also, we also have a podcast oh, now. Yes. And we, you can watch us on the KSL app. Watch us on KSL TV app. And what else do we YouTube have? YouTube channel. YouTube channel. We are everywhere, everywhere. So you can't miss us. Thanks so much for being with us today.